the announced topic for our little chat that we have uh, after uh, the Juma service was uh, <coughs> zakat. But uh, it occurred to me that uh, in the khutbah I didn't cover one point and that was that yes these are nice things written in the Holy Quran have they ever been implemented? Has anyone ever acted upon them? And I thought I'll take a few minutes and add some incidents from history etc. about uh, women in a historical context. Who was the first person to embrace Islam? A woman. Hazrat Khatija, the Holy Prophet Muhammad wasallam's wife. Who was the one who supported his mission even before he became a prophet? Hazrat Khatija. She was a businesswoman, she was a rich woman, she ran an uh, import-export uh, company in today's terms. And her caravan used to go to uh, as far as Iraq and Syria and what is now Jordan and what are now Jordan and Jerusalem uh, to purchase goods and bring them back. And from Arabia they would take other things and, and sell them there. Holy Prophet was her employee. The Holy Prophet Muhammad sallam worked for a woman. We were in Slough uh, and uh, we met someone, he had his son with him and uh, this guy said to uh, <coughs> his son, let me introduce this lady, she was my boss. And his son went, what? You worked for a woman? You had to carry out a woman's instructions and the horror that he showed that his father worked for a woman was just unbelievable. Now if that is the attitude of a 10 year old boy, what is he going to grow up to be? How is he going to behave? towards women. How is he going to treat them? And I mention these two to show you how far we have as Muslims drifted from the Holy Prophet's Sunnah. Sunnah is what the Holy Prophet did. So as I said, it was uh, Hazrat Khatija that the Holy Prophet went to and told her what had happened uh, on the mountain in the cave and uh, uh, she uh, then accepted him. She took him, he took the Holy Prophet Muhammad to her cousin Warka bin Nofal, who was a Christian and he said you are the prophet who was pro prophesied in the Old and the New Testament. <coughs> so she accepted the Holy Prophet's claim and she supported him throughout her life. 
But then, when the Holy Prophet went to Medina and an Islamic state was set up, whenever something had to be discussed, which was of interest to the whole community, the Holy Prophet would call people to the mosque, Masjid e Nabi, the Prophet's mosque. And do you think he barred women from going there? Men went, women went. The Holy Prophet would put a question to them and they would answer them. We know this. How do we know this? Because we very proudly, very proudly say that at Hazrat Umar's time, this is the second Khalifa after the Holy Prophet Muhammad, Hazrat Umar Razila tried to restrict the amount that a woman would demand from her husband as a sh her share in his estate before agreeing to marry him. And he said, I'm going to restrict that because women are asking too great a share in the husband's estate and this is creating problems and so on. And a woman stood up and said, oh, but the Quran says they can demand a mountain of gold from you. If the Quran says I can demand a mountain of gold from a, a prospective suitor, who are you to tell me that I can't demand that? Or are you going to put some limit on that? We very proudly present that. But when people said women should become members of parliament in a Muslim country, all the ulema start running around like headless chickens. Well, that was the parliament. That was the parliament in Hazrat Umar Razayullah's time. And she opposed some action by the head of state. And the head of state said, yes, you're right. I didn't think of that. So, at the time of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, women were consulted in all affairs of the state, of the community. But then more than that, we proudly say that women went with the army at Badr and Ohad and all the battles, uh, etc. Women would go with the army. Men would fight and they would do cooking and they would nurse the injured and they would go on to the battlefield and they'll remove the injured and nurse them. They will give them water and more importantly, they'll go on to the battlefield and they will remove arrows and shields and swords and spears, anything that the Muslim army could use that was lying there. Not only that, on one occasion, sometime later, Muslims retreated under the uh, force of the enemy attack. And as they were retreating, a woman said, what's happening? And the man said, well, you know, the enemy is too strong, so we are retreating. So she ran and told all the other women. And they pulled up the bits of wood, which were holding down tents, 
and they said well we don't know whether the enemy is going to kill you or not but if you retreat we are going to kill you and they beat their men and they beat their men their husbands and fathers and wives and uncles and everyone these women beat them and forced them to go back and fight they said either you go back and fight and die or if you try and retreat we are going to beat them until you die and the muslims returned and they fought and uh, they were granted a, a victory the point i am making is that women took part in everything at the time of the holy prophet and under his immediate successors when there was a dispute between hazrat ali radhiyallahu ta'ala and amir muawiya radhiyallahu ta'ala hazrat aisha the holy prophet's wife she led an army the riding a camel it's called the battle of the camel because she was uh, conducting the army on a battle so you can see how much influence she had how much she engaged in the face of the state in the face of the community and political affairs otherwise if she didn't how would she manage to raise an army and not only that it also shows as she was the head of that army all the companions of the holy prophet who supported her point of view fought under the leadership of an army but more recently when benazir bhutto for example uh, ran an election in pakistan to try and become the prime minister the religious leaders and the learned maulanas they said a nation that has a woman at, uh, as its leader is cursed so what about those thousands of companions of the holy prophet muhammad who fought under the leadership of hazrat aisha radhiyallahu ta'ala all of them god gave them the name radhiyallahu ta'ala anhum i am pleased with you god tells them he is pleased with them and our maulanas are tell them are telling us what that they are cursed because they are fighting un- under the leadership of a woman so these things that i've that i said in the khutbah were actually practiced this is not mere theory it's easy to write nice things in a book and not sort of uh, act on them but these things were acted upon every woman was given what she earned there was no differentiation between in women between women's wages or between education and lots of other things and rights that we talked about talk about these days so although the announced topic was different it occurred to me that uh, it will be useful for you to see that this was wasn't just theory it was actually practiced for nearly 100 years after the passing away of the holy prophet muhammad